Monday morning, we are here for Lockdown Women's Basketball. I've got Lindsey Gibbs on the line, and we are going to go through uh, Mystic's Dream, where Elena Deladon returned to the lineup, and the Mystics were able to force a Game 5, which will be played Tuesday in Atlanta. Lindsey, I guess it makes sense to start with the biggest name in this series. Just how did... How did Deladon look? You know, what was it like pregame? I imagine there's a lot of anticipation from the fans. Just what you know, take us, take us in the inside the building and what it was like to be be there. Yeah, it was weird. It was so different from Friday night when I felt like uh, everyone was really holding their breath. It almost felt like everyone learned from that and went into this allowing themselves to be positively surprised instead of disappointed, if that makes sense. Like, I know the Mystics completely practiced as if Deladon would not be there. Um, As a reporter, I tried to think of all the stories with her not being there and all of a sudden, you know, so you're the Mystics do this weird warm up thing where instead of doing team warm ups like most uh, teams do, where they're all out there at the exact same time, they come out and shift. So there's just a few of them at a time. So people kept tweeting me being like, "Is Del- do you see Deladon? Do you see Deladon? And I was like, no, but it's not just because we're at like, you know, an hour and uh, 10 minutes before the game starts and she's not out here and other players are, that doesn't necessarily mean she's not coming, you know, um, because of the way they, they do their warmups. And then all of a sudden, yeah, she just, uh, she comes out very casually, starts doing her little sprinting and side to side warmups, looks great, goes through all her shooting exercises, looks great um brushed off talking to the media which uh is always a good sign feeling feisty (laughs) and (laughs) and i mean she she wanted us to wait till after her shooting which was completely reasonable i'm not saying she wouldn't talk but um yeah and you know i i don't think it was official official until she went back into the locker room and had the trainer look at how her knee you know responded to that but it was she looked great and there was such a huge cheer when she was announced and it just you felt the mood in the arena shift dramatically immediately just or maybe it was just my mood I don't know but uh you know you you, you could there was a sense of relief um it was so funny I was talking to Ariel Atkins the rookie and I said you know when did you know and she in Ariel's really shy and quiet and so she said Oh, I didn't know until, like, she sat down with the team after the national anthem. She was like, I just didn't ask. I was too afraid to ask. <laughs> and then she sat down, you know, after that national anthem, she sat down, like, got in the huddle and, and, you know, looked ready to go. And I was so excited. So that was really funny that, like, the poor rookie doesn't even, like, get looped in on these things. And so it's, you know, it, it worked out for the Mystics and I think – you know, Carol Lawson was pointing this out on the broadcast, and I think everyone would agree, you know, she wasn't 100% her normal self, especially, no. especially you know, pushing off one leg, and, you know, there was one layup, you know, she kind of went up and double-clutched it, and I think it was Elizabeth Williams who was right there, and that was just a, it was just kind of a play, like, you know, she, w- she wouldn't have, you feel like you, she wouldn't have gone up normally like that, because it was just, it, you, you kind of saw that block coming, just the way she attacked it and that's not normally the way um we're used to seeing her finish I would say but it was enough and so what I guess you know what did you how would you kind of gauge you know where she was at and and you know was that 
was that enough that they really that they really put this on the dream or did you take a little bit more away that the dream just they they had a lot of their own struggles that that got in their own way yeah i i it's hard to know what to make of the dream and honestly elizabeth williams performance i mean it was it was really bad and that can't all be Deladon's return. This was certainly a game where things snowballed for them. And, you know, even the mystics were saying in the locker room, you know, they expect to see a much better dream team on Tuesday night. But look, Deladon being back in the lineup, first of all, it makes everybody so much more comfortable. Uh, You know, they get to go. This starting five has done has been one of the best starting fives in the league all year. I mean, they just and they have such great chemistry. And so Deladon being there, even a 50 percent Deladon defenses have to respect, you know, because of her shooting ability. So it just it just opens up their spacing. It calms everyone down. I mean, everyone in the locker room I talked to just said, you know, even just her presence and like having her basketball IQ on the court makes us feel better. Like we've got this. You know, in game three, as we talked about here, you know, Natasha Cloud had told me, you know, we all felt like we needed to press because Deladon wasn't there. You know, we need to force things and everyone be the hero. Whereas in this game, they really did just let it come to them. She didn't have any points in the first quarter. I don't think she had many. She had very few in the second quarter. And then, you know, really did kind of come alive in that third quarter once she really relaxed. She got better and moved better as the game went on. Um, She stayed on the bike when she was on the sidelines, but I think it was very promising. I mean, she played 33 minutes and, you know, could have played more. They stopped playing their starters the last few minutes. And she said impressed. It was really funny. You know, she was asked, did you expect to play this much? And she goes, I would have killed coach if he had (laughs) let me go full out. (laughs) You know, she said, she said, I gave him the look and he knew. So she was feeling, you know, she wanted to, um, to go full out. She has a knee brace. I doubt we're going to see her 100, 100% the rest of these playoffs. Like she's still going to be dealing with this, but you want to, you want a 50% or 75% Alain Deladon on your court. Absolutely. The, the shooting alone. And, and I think it, I think the next best place to take this is to the performance of Christy Tolliver. The, obviously some shots fell and there was one, three, she got in the left corner. It was, I believe, in the first half where somebody else had driven the lane and then she just stepped right into a wide-open shot from the corner, which you're not... It's like, you know, when Deladon wasn't playing, lines one, two, and three for Atlanta are probably, you know, get in Christy Tolliver's jersey and never leave it. And to see her step into a shot like that, that felt like a big moment in that game. But then there were also a couple times where she's just able to drive to the rim. And maybe a little bit, a bit of that was her cranking up the aggression to go one-on-one and to just put her head down. But you've also got Elena Delano just standing at the three-point line, which by itself, just that alone incites, not maybe not panic, but you've got you to be hyper aware of that and that that in turn can, can open something up for, for Tolliver to, to look to be more aggressive. Yeah, their chemistry is just so crucial to this team. I mean, they really have bonded these last two years. I mean, I was I was writing something for the Washington City paper, which I don't think is up yet, but it's like there was this five-day period in last February where both of them came to D.C. It was 
Deladon announced on February 2nd and Tolliver announced on February 7th. <laughs> and looking back on it, like what a five day period that was for this, you know, for this franchise. It feels even bigger than it felt at the time because of how they have developed as leaders together, um, as friends and as chemistry. You know, they're just on court chemistry. They know um, how to get each other the ball, how to um, feed each other. They know where the other one's going to be. This is something they've talked about all season. And, you know, Tolliver on, in Saturday's practice when I was talking to her about, you know, I said, you know, Chrissy, how hard has it been, you know, these past few days? And she goes, that's – she was talking about Deladon, and she goes, that's my person. It's so hard not having my person out there on the court. And first of all, I thought that was a really adorable uh, turn of phrase. <laughs> so I love that. But it's also true. Like, so much is their one-two dynamic. And so having Deladon just makes Tolliver uh, able to kind of unleash all of her um, her capabilities. I did, though, think – I think they might have must have been listening to you, Ben. Or very early on, the um, – their first like three uh three pointers they missed and then they started driving to the basket instead and i thought oh they were listening to me and ben on the podcast the other <laughs> day when we were saying like get to the basket and once they started getting some of those layups to fall you know that that relaxed them that calmed them and then the three started going well yeah and and you pointed that this out in your writing I, well I, I i'll we can start since towards the beginning of the game since we're there i thought you know, Ariel Atkins was huge and then getting off to that start. And it wasn't even her hitting jump shots this time. It was her a couple of times, you know, curling off a screen. You know, she had one really nice play where she just put it down once and rose up for a floater. And those are the kind of shots that are kind of, you know, on the margins. You know that Atkins is going to be, she's been a good spot-up shooter. She'll put it down once and take an open jump shot if it's there. But then that stuff is almost, you know, if you get it, it's, it's, you just, it's nice to have it on top, kind of like, you know, games where Natasha, Natasha Cloud is hitting multiple three-pointers. And I think seeing Washington get that stuff early on top of just knowing that Deladon was on the court, I think that, that it, for me, it gave that feeling of just, okay, like, if Deladon hits a couple shots, they're, they're gonna, there's a good chance they can blow this open. Yeah, and that, that beginning of... Th- there were two runs in this that I thought were just the most important by far. I guess... Two to three, and I did, um, you know, kind of pinpoint these. But I think that, although right now I can't remember which piece I... I did a few recaps of the game, so I can't remember which, which where, uh, where I wrote this. But, you know, it was a back-and-forth game for the first seven minutes. And then, you know, they really did. And it was it was fueled by Atkins and some Sanders free throws um, that really kind of got them to... And I think maybe one tall over three that in the last three minutes of the first quarter, they built this 20 to 12 lead and really didn't look back. Whereas it had been it had been back and forth and ugly the first seven minutes of the game. I mean, you just everyone looked unsettled. But the way they fought through that was crashing to the boards. And that was just such a smart decision, especially when and we can talk about this later when the post players of Atlanta were just looked like shells of themselves all game so and but then there was right after the third quarter um you know first of all they got some good bench play from 
uh, Tierra Van Pratt in particular, she had four points at the start of the second quarter that helped them build on that 20 to 12 lead. And whenever you're getting players like Tierra Van Pratt, who nobody is expecting much offensively from, you know, she's their defensive stalwart off the bench. When all of a sudden she puts up four points and, you know, a, a three minute span off of jumpers, that gets the whole team going. You know, that makes Atlanta's defense feel like, God, there's nobody we can leave open. <laughs> you know, there's there's no there's no hope here. And then after they build a nine point lead in halftime, when they came out, that's when Natasha Cloud hit a, her first three of the game um, immediately after halftime. And I talked with her about that in the locker room because she had been doing she had been basically getting layups before that, you know, she had been driving to the basket and getting those shots to fall, which that's important too. And that's big for her confidence. But she said that the sigh of relief when that first three went in, in the second, um, second half, the very first play in the second half, you know, that changed her mentality. I think it changed the mentality of the whole team. Yeah. Deladon hit a, a three very soon at, thereafter. And then cloud hit another three. I think cloud had eight points in like the first half of the second uh, half the first half of the se- the third quarter, excuse me. And, you know, that really helped them kind of um, uh, find their rhythm and keep that foot on the gas, which we all know is something that every team can fall into lulls and, and not do. So it was just cool to see every single player really kind of contribute um, offensively. And whenever a big shot was needed, I mean, a lot of times it was Deladon and Tolliver, like it always is. But a lot of times it wasn't. Atkins came up huge. She put the game completely out of reach with back-to-back, I think, an eight-point run, uh, two three-pointers and a drive to the basket in the fourth quarter that, you know, made it about a 20-point game. And, you know, just to have the ability to create the offense from anywhere on the court like that is it's, – it's dangerous. It is. And with Washington, they – you know, they've really had pretty close to four constants with this team. You have Deladon, you have Tolliver, Latoya Sanders has become became that during the regular season. And, and Atkins for the most part was as well. They got they got a, a nice game from Tierra and Pratt, doing enough offensively, and then like you mentioned, Cloud came into the game. So with, with the depth that they have, you know, they could they can get by they can plug in Ruff and Pratt, you know, say if Cloud isn't playing well. And they can get by for stretches with that and not lose very much. And you go back to even the regular season, you know, they could play Monique Curry for a stretch. And it's like, yeah, they're going to be fine. They plug in with Walker Kimbrough. Okay, yeah, they were fine. But you knew at some point they would need something from Cloud, and that's exactly what they got in that stretch. And and really, I mean, the difference to me, just from, not not to oversimplify it too much, but game one, Washington's eleven to twenty six from three. Game two, they're six to twenty. Game three, they're five for twenty three. Game four, they're twelve for twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> with with Deladon on the court, they're gonna get up twenty five plus threes. It's probably it's gonna be tough to to stop them from getting up that many. You can you can certainly you know have a little bit of a say as a defense as to who gets some of those, which can which can help. But Deladon hit a couple, and Tolliver obviously hitting some shots and. If they do that, you're probably going to lose. Is is that is that my overstepping to say that? I mean, I think that's what their hope is for sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing is when they're you know they do have the ability to drive to the basket. So um, 
when when they are hitting so bad from outside, it's not like you can um, just dare them to go inside. You know, they they have that ability too. So, yeah, I think that that that's that's a good way of looking at the stats, Ben. I I agree, and I also look. I'd be remiss if I didn't boil it down to um, the fact you know for Friday's game, I said, look. If you look at Tiffany Hayes and you look at Chrissy Tolliver, you kind of have the story of this game. And that was the case really on Friday, just a little bit reversed, you know, Uh, where, you know, Hayes really struggled. And goodness, can her body language get awful out there on the court? Um, You know, she was kind of throwing tantrums and just, you know, look, just looking so pressed and. She had just had 12 points and really just didn't seem like a factor in this one. And then, you know, of course, Tolliver had the 22. So those two players are just so important. The thing for Atlanta, which is tough, and and they do get to go back home now, and they earned this home court advantage. Yes. And it has come it has come down to this. And, you know, they earned this home court advantage with how well they played in the regular season. I would, I would like to see... An, it, this is going to be tough for them moving forward, and we'll see what they do with their roster. But you look at the teams left standing and a couple of the other teams in, just in the league in general, it, the way Atlanta has, has to go about it, especially a player like Hayes, who want, you, want to, you want her to live in the lane, it's a lot tougher for her compared to what other star players have to do because every time she goes in there, she's going to be looking at four to five bodies because Elizabeth Williams, that's what she does. She's going to hang around the basket. She can't shoot. And Jess Breland, sometimes she's spotting up around the elbow, and she can hit those shots. She hasn't been very consistent this year. She's had some good games. So the tough thing for Atlanta, I mean, you just look at the other teams left standing. Washington's got Latoya Sanders 18 feet out, where she's been like a 50% two-point jump shooter. You've got Deladon sitting at the three. Even for Phoenix, Brittany Griner, same thing as Sanders, a really good two-point jump shooter. Camille Little, even though she can't shoot, very much, she stands out at, out at the three, and then Dewana Bonner when she's at the four, and then for Seattle, you've got Brianna Stewart, Natasha Howard spend most of their time beyond the three-point line, and for Atlanta, it's just it's really tough to be Tiffany Hayes, and it's it's never going to be easy for her to get in there, and the way I I hope Atlanta goes out is they need to do something with one of those bigs, and maybe it's they play Imani McGee-Stafford a little bit, who's shown a little bit of a shooting touch from 15 feet. But they've got to have one of those bodies doing something else other than standing and watching Tiffany Hayes try to get to the basket. They've got to have somebody set a screen off the ball for Renee Montgomery, or Breland just got to shoot more of those jumpers because they're going to be wide open if she wants them. They, they've, just, they've got to do something with one of those bigs What's what's your what's your read of that from Atlanta's? Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I'm curious about whether it was kind of the broadcast honed in on the post at all and like what was happening with Elizabeth Williams because, I mean, she's good. Obviously, she's a great player, but only if she's getting rebounds and making layups and you know making the easy shots and. She did not do that on, you know, on, you know, on Sunday. We were sitting right next to the Nikki Collin and the Atlanta bench. And there was a point where you could hear Nikki just yelled, 
why isn't E rebounding? You know, and she had like three rebounds this game. It was weird. And, you know, she's she's such a cerebral player. And I think when she does get off, she gets in her own head. I was very surprised they didn't try and mix in Imani McGee Stafford a little bit earlier. Uh, I know they wanted Elizabeth in there because of her defense. Um, but it became very clear that, you know, Atlanta really needed an offensive push and um, they, they weren't getting it from the post. Um, between Latoya Sanders and Maisha Hines-Allen, who hopefully we can talk about in a few minutes, uh, they just, they were suffocating her down there. And it was, it was staggering. She was also one for four from the free throw line. Atlanta as a whole was 56% from the free throw line, which is just, I'd like to see if there's ever been a worse, I mean, in the semifinals, the playoffs, you just cannot do that. Like, that's just mind-boggling. Um, so, they're just... It, it, things just really snowballed for Atlanta. And they've got to figure out something else. And I know they will. Nikki Collin is is brilliant. But you... I mean... I would, I would feel confident saying Elizabeth Williams is going to have a much better game on Tuesday because I don't think we see these games back-to-back. But what do you feel like happened to her down there? It just was... It was weird to watch. I mean, I think Sanders, I mean, Latoya Sanders has done a really good job of just, you know, she's putting her body where it needs to be a lot of the times when she needs to help, when she needs to get on the glass. For Williams, it, I don't know, it's tough. I would probably want to go back and rewatch the game again to, if, and maybe I really would be be able to isolate some possessions and say, oh yeah, that these were just, these were just opportunities she missed to go and grab a rebound it's you know if we're talking defensive rebounds it's it's going to be much tougher with Deladon in there now because yeah whether it's her or Breland you're you're already spending some time away from the basket just paying attention to Latoya Sanders so naturally with Washington's best players out there you're spending more time further from the basket as far as the defensive glass goes and yeah like I mean I would I would want to go and watch it again I'd I don't. I wouldn't think it's quite fair to put this on Williams. I mean, because I mean, especially then if we're going to talk offense, you know, she's a she's a play finisher for them. Her job yeah. is to set good screens and run hard to the rim. And when things get so clogged up as they often do for that team, it's it's really tough. It's a really tough ask of her a lot of the times when she does catch the ball, because there are probably two bigs just sit there. There are times where you can just pause it, and she's she somehow managed to to catch the ball between two opposing bigs, but it's just, okay, how is, how are you supposed to score out of this? And we'll see, I mean, in game five, you know, it, Atlanta's just a team, it, it, because of how they're built offensively, it doesn't feel like they should be able to handle coming back when they do get down. Right. You know, Colin mentioned to Erica Ayala, who had a piece on her recently in High Post Hoops, that if if there, if there's anything our mo this season seems to kind of be that we fall down you know nine to two early in a game, and then we wake up a little bit, well, part of that I think this match with this matchup you know you can't fall down in holes to to Washington a team that can that can get up threes like they can, and then they've got Tolliver and Deladon who can just they're just they can shoot from anywhere on a moment's notice. You don't want to have to deal deal with that, but I. <laughs> You know, it's not like I'm going to count them out because, you know, this game yesterday wasn't over until that final push in the fourth. Atlanta still could have gotten back into it 
and now they're at home where we've seen them already make a couple of big pushes in this series alone. So I just, you know, they got Renee Montgomery loose. She hit a couple shots. I think that'll help them. And 10 assists, and, which is huge. Double-double, yeah. Yeah. And, and Montgomery is one of those players who's making a lot of those a lot of those plays, those tight passes where, you know, they're counting on Williams or Breland to score, where, you know, Renee Montgomery coming off the screen to hit up a to hit a pull up jumper not quite as big of a threat as some of the other star guards in this league you know they're really trying to they really have to make those plays in really tight spaces but you know I the one the one hope with Atlanta I think if you want to get home and you hope you can get one of those one of those uh, you know peak Alex Bentley performances where she's really hitting from the outside and that's what might you know open things up because Games three and four in Washington, she shot 0 of 6, game three on threes, and then 1 of 6 yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly done a much better job defensively on her, and she just hasn't had as good shooting nights. I think it's it's a little bit of a combination of the two. They definitely have adjusted to, you know, the Bentley force of nature that happened the first two games. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's just going to be – uh, really interesting. And, and I know that Washington feels pretty confident right now, and I think they have reasons to. I mean, for me, it's it's the fact that not only are their starters all playing well um, and all contributing, uh, but they are finding all the right contributions from their bench. I mean, Sanders got into foul trouble in this game, and you know, I think she had about five fouls midway through the third, and which she and both coach, her and coach, were very quick to say were at phantom calls, of course, and very terrible. And I do think a few of them were questionable, but, you know, not all five. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but she um, – so Maisha Hines-Allen, who literally has played in maybe two – she played in, I think, two meaningful regular season games – um, before, since All-Star. She, she was in the regular rotation for a few minutes before All-Star. Uh, and very early in the season, she was incredibly impressive, especially during a stretch when Sanders was still recovering from anemia and uh, Deladon was out. But goodness, uh, all of a sudden, to be able to put a second-round draft pick in to play 13 really meaningful minutes in a playoff game after they've barely played for the last month, that shows something about how much they believe in Maisha Hines-Allen <laughs> because she played 13 minutes in this game and she had a, in, on the plus minus, she was a plus 18. And, um, you know, only two points, but, you know, she got five rebounds, including two key offensive boards. She also had two assists, and she is such a physical presence under the basket. And it would be – I just love that she's getting more minutes. We've been – a lot of us reporters have been kind of curious as to why she hasn't been. Um, and, you know, I was talking to her in the locker room after the game, and she said, look, I've had to prove to the coaches that I'm ready for this by staying late, by working hard during practice. Practices have become her games. She's always the last one in there after practices. And she's really taken that opportunity off the court to prove that she can get better, that she is ready to learn and to be 
a key piece late in the season like this. And I just, you, you don't see many teams that have rookies contributing period at this level in the playoffs. Monique Billings is a bit, obviously a, another good example for Atlanta. Who's just been phenomenal off the bench, but to have two rookies, I think just shows how much this draft really has lifted uh, the mystics to the next level. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Sanders. She left the game with about 30 seconds left in the third with that fifth foul. Okay. Heinz Allen came in the game, didn't leave until it was about 90 seconds left when it was over. She entered the game when they were up 10, and when she left, they were up 23. You know, she was a, she was she was out there for the entirety of that fourth quarter push. Sanders didn't play in the right. fourth quarter. I know. They didn't even they Mike Tebow didn't even have to make that decision of oh, you know, when do I when do I trust her with five fouls to go back in there. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I mean, this... actually, can I read? I want to. I asked Coach about this during the presser, and I thought his his he was so complimentary of um, Heinz Allen that I just think it's worth reading. And this is on High Post Hoops, but uh, I don't hear him brag. I don't hear him gush about players this often. But he said, uh, "I think for one thing, she's so athletic, and you know, Atlanta is a team of athletes." But he said she's quick. She has quick feet. She's strong. She knows how to block out. She gets rebounds in traffic. She sets great screens. She might be our best screen setter on our team. And that gets people open. Down the stretch, she got Ariel Atkins open on a three. She gets Christy open on a pick and roll for a big play. And she just has high energy. We did some switching just like they do against us. And she's able with her athleticism to stay in front of their guards when she switches. And that's a big key for us. So, I mean, that's a big vote of confidence from your head coach <laughs> after a playoff game, right? I mean, that that's, like, gushing. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, you mentioned we talked about her, talked about her in the last episode. You know, I think she, she can be, like I said, if she kind of goes, if she kind of, you know, repeats the, you know, if you want to call it kind of a master's class of what Tiana Hawkins did over the offseason, really remaking her body and, and really improving as a shooter if Heinz Allen can do that just from a skill level standpoint uh the athleticism is there the strength is there to where she can be a player where you're not off the bench you know early in her career she's going to be the kind of player that they won't have to really worry about matchups you know we've seen her battle with Sylvia Fowles already you see her in a series like this where it's just more do you have the athleticism to hang with Williams and and Breland you're not worried about them you know overpowering you with their post moves under the basket or something like that. So understandably he is, he is gushing and they, you know, that was, that's been a huge find for them. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how the, you know, how the rotation works out from Washington perspective. You know, I think you have to, I mean, it just, they have to feel really good. Tolliver got going. They've got Deldon back. You have to figure Sanders will not get in foul trouble again. So it's, you have to imagine we'll see we'll see Washington, you know, really really full speed ahead, going from this game. And I just to go back to Atlanta. I'm just you know, if you were to make the case, you know, what are you expecting that'll really give them a lift they need, especially early in the game, to kind of go back to where I was earlier, where you know, if you're Atlanta, you don't want to have to you don't want to have to play from ten down early in the game. You know, what do you think needs to happen for them to get off to a good start in Game Five? Um, I think you need to get Renee Montgomery loose early. <laughs> I think if you can somehow, 
you know, she's their player who can really uh, knock down the three. And I think if you can get that going early, then, you know, I'd like to see her be a little bit more selfish, a little bit, you know, more of a ball hog. I'd like to see her and um, Hayes uh, really put this team on their back. And I think that's something they're capable of doing. But defensively, they just got to be better. It looked, I mean, they kept saying that they were prepared for Elena Deladon to be out there, but it did not look like it. And look, they're one of the best defensive teams uh, in the league all season. Their efficiency is just phenomenal. It's because they're really good. And I think that, you know, we're going to see a much better defensive performance from them. We're going to see them make adjustments. But the thing about uh, the Mystics this season, and look, I mean, I'm a Mystics beat reporter, and I, I fully admit that I've talked to the, the, their players a lot more this series than I have for the dream players. So I'm, you know, bringing, of course, a lot more insight from that um, that side of things, um, especially yesterday because I was doing stuff for local Washington media. So, I, you know, I stayed very heavily in, with the Mystics um, bunch. But uh, when you talk to the Mystics players, even like like Ariel Atkins was saying that she's gotten better throughout this series because she's been studying the film so hard. And she says there are switches that I got confused on earlier in this, se- this series. There were things that Atlanta was doing early on that I was getting lost in the court on that I wasn't reacting right to. And she said, I know how to react to those now. And so they're getting better. And if, if Atlanta's not doing that, um, then it's, you know, then, then they're not going to be able to, to counter. And they certainly didn't look like they were getting better. But I expect uh, Tuesday night's game to be a nail-biter. And I just think that they're going to be much better defensively. I think you're going to see more from Breland. I mean, Jessica Breland, Brittany Sykes, and um, there was a third player. I don't have it right in front of me for some reason. But they did not – none of them got even got to the line, you know, this game, which I think is – is a pretty staggering statistic. Like, I mean, of course, nobody was making free throws on Atlanta, but I just think it shows that they just allowed this to turn into, instead of keeping it this physical, gritty battle that Atlanta really thrives in, uh, they just kind of got on their heels and stayed there. And with Atlanta, it's, yeah, it's the tough thing for those players is that, and, you know, I, I don't, and it's it's tough, you know. I'm I'm trying to lock in on this series as it is, and a lot of the stuff I brought up about them offensively that changes with Angel McCautry on the court. Totally, you know, because that's a player because the the you know the makeup of this team doesn't really almost doesn't matter as much if Angel's out there because she doesn't need a lot of that's player doesn't need a lot of space. You know, she at her size with her strength going to the rim. You know, if there are two three bodies there, it doesn't really seem to matter. She's just going to find a way to get through all of them. Or to finish over the top, and you know that with Atlanta, it's you know it's kind of just you know you stop that first action. You know if you wall off Hayes trying to get to the rim, if you cover up Renee on that screen so she can't get a wide open three, and then they kind it's just kind of you know the it's the machine doesn't always keep moving for them, and then they that's where they can stagnate a little bit, or they have to throw it to somebody who's not who doesn't have an advantage, you know, and that's where you know. Brittany Sykes can look really good if someone has to run all the way out to her, and then she can get by that player. You know, she can be creative to get to the rim. But when you're throwing it out to Breland, to Sykes, when they don't have that head start, it's tough for them. It can be tough at them for time at times to create. 
the one and you know we I, we brought up the three point shooting for Washington earlier. You know the one thing that the one thing that Washington or that Atlanta can do to kind of slow that game down and to make it where they're able to you know rack up more stops is if they just take away some of those some of those easy drives to the rim that Washington got. You know they shot fourteen of eighteen in the restricted area yesterday, and then if you look at you know Washington's two losses in this series, eight for twenty in the restricted area in game two, and then twelve of twenty three. Uh, a little below league average percentage-wise in Game 3. So even if they can just wall off some of those drives and take those away, and then you can really, they'll really be able to put Elena Dellad onto the test. So, okay, you know, can can you can you post us up and ISO us and be as effective as you were, you know, in the regular season and at the beginning of this series? And then that's where I think Atlanta can kind of, can kind of build some momentum off of that and at least... You know, take away the easy stuff and force Deladon to make shots over them, and they might be able to go from there. Yeah, I mean, look, each game is kind of a diff- tells a different story, and you know this this game told the story of Deladon's comeback and what she means to the team and Tolliver's leadership. I think um, one thing I haven't mentioned that. I wrote about for the Washington City paper that will be out on um, it'll be out today sometime online was that you know everyone I talked to well starting with Maisha always always count on the rookies to spill the beans about things you probably shouldn't know about um, if you're a reporter <laughs> go up to the go up to the second round draft picks <laughs> and just kind of ask them but you know she told me she kind of gave me this this hit before the game that Christy Tolliver had sent out this really really long group. Uh, long text message on their group chat uh, the night before the game, late the night before the game. And she said it was so emotional. It was so helpful. And it just really, for her, uh, it, it you could tell how much it meant to Maisha. And because I was talking to her before the game about the mentality. And she said, because of that text message, like no matter what happens, we're good was pretty much what she was telling me. And after the locker room, you know, uh, Christy was mad that I knew about it. <laughs> but uh, but she, you know, she was saying that, you know, she just really wanted to let this team know that how much she believes in them. And it was cool to, you know, even, of course, it meant a lot to the rookies, you know, to Ariel Atkins and to Maisha. Um, but even to Tierra Ruffin Pratt, you know, said it meant a lot to her. Latoya Sanders said that who, you know, noted that she got the group text about three hours late because she's not attached to her phone like everybody else. She wanted me to uh, know that. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) just peak Latoya Sanders. Uh, But, you know, Latoya said it just it was it calmed everyone down. And for for Latoya Sanders, who's the most calm player I've ever seen to say that, you know, text message calmed them down is incredible. And, you know, Tara Ruffin Pratt says to hear that from our leader just that she believes in us. It gave us all confidence. And Natasha Cloud, you know, said similar things. And I know that sounds, it sounds cheesy. It sounds super cheesy. I, I do realize this. And obviously her 22 points on the court were, were more important probably. But uh, I like hearing things like that. I like hearing about, you know, how teams are coming together in these tough do or die moments. And Christy Tolliver came to this team so that she could be this type of leader in moments like this. And uh, it's cool to see her her stepping to the plate, and it's even cooler to see the team really appreciating how rare that is and, you know, really just kind of leaning into it. 
Yeah, and it, it you know, you imagine it, it couldn't have been easy for Washington at the beginning of this series, not just with the Deladon injury, but to see Tolliver struggle. Right. You know, Tolliver herself having to carry that burden of, you know, needing to perform for the team, but also for her teammates that, you know, I'm sure they're in a little bit of a tough spot, or maybe they started to get a little frustrated, like, man, we just need a couple of Christie shots to fall. Which, you know, in all honesty, in game two, you know, that alone, that they probably, they could maybe still could have won that game with that. But then to also just trust that, you know, it, well, Tolliver, you had the quote that Tolliver said after, you know, if you're not hot, you're due. And they must have felt that, and, and now that all came to the surface for them. But maybe, you know, if you're Atlanta, you're, you're probably hoping for the same thing. You're hoping for a better game from Williams. You hope Bentley, Bentley can give you a little bit more of a scoring lift with the home cooking. And, you know, Tiffany Hayes, the last time, her last postseason appearance, even though it was in a loss, uh, 2016 against Chicago, you know, 10-17, 30 points, uh, and got to the line eight times. So, you know, she can... Hayes can be that player that totally takes the reins of a game too. So we'll see, we'll see if she's able to do that to give Atlanta the lift that they need. But do you have any other players you want to touch on? Anything from this series, or just or something we haven't hit on yet? Looking ahead to Game Five. No, I mean I think we've goodness we've covered a whole lot here. <laughs> but uh, I think I, yeah. I've literally poured out my notebook. I do want to just kind of give a. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast we did, but if you if you missed it, I did kind of write down the full aerial powers week uh, for high post hoops in my notebook, and it's just you know she didn't get many minutes, uh, though she was effective when she was on the court today. And with Deladon back, we won't be seeing as much of her. But uh, that game three, she had being the leading scorer and uh, playing the four for the first time since her sophomore of, of year of college, really, and coming right after going to a funeral for someone she really cared about. So anyways, I just kind of wanted to, you know, go to High Post Hoops and read about that. It's at the, it's at the bottom of my takeaways post from today because she's another player that has been has just stepped up when Washington has needed it and that they have to have confidence that they have that player on their bench. I mean, right now on their bench, Tiana Hawkins has not been great, but with the, with three bench players right now, the, the caliber of Heinz Allen, Powers, and Tiara Ruffin Pratt is, um, it's a blessing, I would say, for Washington. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's, you know, that, that can be, you know, they didn't win that game three, but, you know, that can also be a moment that just personally for Powers to look back on, you know, maybe next year when she's a bigger part of the playoff rotation or whatever it might be, that's, you know, that's a reference point she can look back on and say, yeah, I've, you know, I've performed in a playoff game. I've, 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 you know, made some big shots and been a part of important minutes. At positions I don't know. I've been thrown into the fire, you know, and, that you know, that's got to give her coaches more confidence in her teammates, more confidence in her too, to know that, you know, she can be thrown curveballs like that, you know, with no practice to go in there at the four and to perform the way she did. Uh, that's just got to give you just a lot of confidence in just her as a person, her as a teammate, and in kind of uh, her basketball IQ, which I, you know, you think of of Powers much more as an energy and athleticism player, and not so much as a cerebral one. But that takes a lot of focus, so. Yep, and we'll see, you know, if that, if it becomes that grinded out kind of game, her number might get caught a little bit more in game five, and we'll see. Yeah, if, 
if, if they need we'll scrappiness, if, uh, she's, she's the player for them. to go to, I think, off the bench. If they need scrappiness and a bolt of energy. Um, yeah, for sure. Alrighty, so we'll we'll get out of here and enjoy. We hope everybody listening enjoys their Labor Day as well. Follow Lindsay at Lynn Sports on Twitter. You can read her on High Post Hoops as well as read the rest of everybody else's coverage of the other series between the Storm and the Mercury. And other than that, Lindsay, thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to whichever team makes it out here to uh, tie a bow on this series. And we have two game fives, Ben. <laughs> Life is good. Two game fives. I can't believe it. <laughs>